Hello and welcome to the Revelation Podcast. My name is John. I hope that you had a great weekend and I look forward to starting off the week sharing you with the Word of God. And to do so, I would like to go ahead and have you turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. We are going to use this verse to launch into a series within a series. I've been going over Jesus in Exodus, and we arrived at chapter 12, and chapter 12, verses 1 through, I think it's 20, or... Let me pull up my notes real quick. Well, we are going into the Passover of Exodus. Exodus chapter 12 is where the Passover is instituted. It goes from verses 1 all the way to verses... Let's see. Verses... Twenty-eight. Yes. Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 28 is about the Passover. When I studied this weekend, I looked at it and I saw that there's a lot of things in here that it would be good to look at. And so what I've done is i taken chapter 12 and I broke it into six parts. And the six parts I would like to refer to as the Passover and Exodus. And later on, I will reveal what those six parts will be. And to start off the Passover and Exodus, part one, I want to read from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 22. And I will be reading from the King James Version And the unknown author writes, And almost all things are by the law, purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. And to continue on, I would like to break down with what I just read. The first part, And almost all things are by the law, purged with blood. Now, I like to read different translations of that. I'll be reading from the ESV. It says, Indeed, under law, almost everything is purified with blood. And in the NIRV, it's written down as, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be made clean with blood. Now, we can go all the way back to Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, to see what it means to make things clean with blood. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on altar to make atonement For your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. 
and go back further to Leviticus chapter 4, verse 20. Thus shall, he, thus shall he do with the bull, as he did with the bull of the sin offering. So shall he do with this, and the priest shall make atonement for them, and they shall be forgiven. The only way that sin can be purged out is through an atonement. And the Hebrew word for atonement means kafar. And kafar means remission. Remission in English means is an act or process of remitted. And remitted means three things. It could be laid aside, as in our sin is laid aside. Also could mean to desist from active, which could also mean our sin is dead. And to be released from the penalty of guilt. In Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. So, an atonement basically means remission, or in other words, to deactivate our sin, to desist from active. It means that our sin is laid aside. Now, I think it's good to kind of go back and do a quick review on what is sin, because that does not get talked about enough. The word sin in Hebrew is chata or kata'a. Now, on a side note, I have very little Hebrew in me. And so, my pronunciation will not be perfect. But I definitely do understand the meaning of the Hebrew word sin. It basically it means an offense that is committed. An offense that has been committed. And this is what the Bible says about sin and us. In Romans chapter 3 verse 23 means, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Remember the word for all. And in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So, with what we have looked at so far from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, at the beginning of it, it talks about, and almost all things are by law purged with blood. And from Leviticus, we see that it means to... Our sins have to be atoned for them to be forgiven. Our sins have to be atoned for in order for them to be forgiven. So basically, sin needs to die. So why does sin need to die? Well, there are at least five reasons. Number one, God is holy. Number two, heaven is holy. And number three, 
all things in heaven are holy. Sin is what keeps us from being holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 it says, Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. We are holy when our sins are laid aside with blood. Therefore, without blood, there can be no remissions of sins. I think talking about the remission of sins is a great way to launch into the Passover in Exodus. The institution of the Passover in Exodus is Exodus chapter 12. And it goes from verse 1 to verse 28. And I have grouped the verses into six parts. So there will be six parts for the Passover in Exodus. This podcast will be about the first part. Verses 1 through 7 that has a deal with redemption. Then tomorrow night we'll go verses 9 through 11 and we will look at the bread of life. In verses 12 through 14, it'll be about bought with blood. And then verses 15 through 20 will be about false doctrine. 21 through 23 will be about obeying God's instructions. And 24 through 28 is about worship God His way. Alright. Now, in verses 1 through 7, in Exodus chapter 12, I would like to refer to this as the blood of the Lamb. Word redeeming. It is a now. It is an act of redeeming. Redeeming is to offset or compensate for a defect. For we are all defected with sin. Remember Romans chapter 3 verse 23. For all have sin. And I read from Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. And it says without blood there is no remissions of sins. In other words, there's no deactivation of sins. It's just that sin will continue to live in us and it will keep us from being with God. If there's no remission of our sins, then that means there is no redemption. Redemption is basically the theme in Exodus. We see that God with a Passover is getting ready to redeem Israel. He's getting ready to take them back. So, the way sin is redeemed is with life. Blood is life. Which is why the Hebrews in the Old Testament has offered animal blood for their sins. And we see that in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11. 
And I'm reading between ESV and KJV. And for this verse, it's ESV. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So in other words, the blood is what justifies our sins so that they can be forgiven in the Old Testament. Blood is what atoned their sins. And sin is what separated them. I mean, blood is what atoned their sins and is what separated them from God's judgment. And we see that Exodus chapter 12, verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. And they eat it refers to the lamb. Now, the blood on the doorpost of the houses is what kept the Israelites safe from God's judgment. And then in Exodus chapter 12, verse 2, is where the beginning of the instruction of the Lamb's blood. The Passover revolves around the blood of the Lamb. And it was set at the first year of the month. And in verse 12 it says, This month shall be for you, the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. This month in Hebrew is Nisan. And for us, that will be March or April for us. And the Passover of the, in the month of the Passover, on the tenth day of the month, a house should have a lamb. And we see that in verse 3. And in verse 4 explains that if the house is too small for the lamb, then let his neighbor next to him keep it. And we see from verses 5 through 6, more instructions for the lamb. It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. So from verses 5 through 6, it tells us three things that the Israelites should do with a lamb that's in their house number one the lamb that they get should be a male and it should be a year old without blemish and they should keep it into their house until the 14th of the month and at midnight it should be killed then from there they will take the blood of the lamb and it will be on the post of the door to save them from god's judgment now i want to fast forward a little bit back to leviticus and I want to just look at how God commanded Israelites through Moses on how they were supposed to atone for their sins. And we can see this from Leviticus chapter 4, verses 1 through... Leviticus chapter 4, verses 1 to chapter 15, verse 13. And in chapter 6, verses 24 through 30. And chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. When a person sins, it has to bring an animal for a sin offering to atone for its sin. A priest for a congregation would use a bull. A king, a male goat. A poor person, a dove or a pigeon. And someone that was very poor, they would bring one-tenth of 
ephah of flour. The blood of animals would atone for their sins. Now, when we looked at the blood of the lamb, we see that in Exodus that they used that for the Passover, that they would cook the lamb, they would roast the lamb, and they would take its blood and they would cover it on their doorpost. And then later on in the book of Leviticus, we see that how God used animal blood to atone for the sins of Israel. And later on in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the Lamb for all of us. And I want to answer that question of why is Jesus the Lamb for all of us? Answer this question lets us see how the Passover in Exodus is all about Jesus. Just like Jesus in the New Testament that was crucified on the Passover. So, why is Jesus the Lamb for all of us? To see that, to begin seeing that, let's go to Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. And I'm reading at the ESV. And you could pause this if you are still trying to look for the scripture passage with either a hard copy or with a device. And again, to begin looking at why is Jesus the Lamb for all of us, let's look at the Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. And for this one, I'm bringing ESV. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. With seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out to all the earth. So in this passage, we see that Jesus is the lamb that was slain. In Isaiah, the lamb that was slain was the suffering servant. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 5, and in this, I'm reading the New King James Version. Surely he has been bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Now what I would like to do with these two verses from Isaiah is like to break them down. And I like to compare them to the Gospels. So you could see how the prophecy of Isaiah fits Jesus, the lamb that was slain for our sins. Now in Matthew chapter 26 verses 27 through 28. He tells them, and this is the institution of the Last Supper. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to all of them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood 
of the new covenant, which sheds for many for the remissions of sins. And a little bit later on, you know, he goes out to Gethsemane and he prays. And then Luke says his prayers were so fervent that he sweats drops of blood. So we see that from Isaiah, where it says, Surely he was born our griefs, and he carried our sorrows. You know, we see what type of burden was on Jesus when he went to the garden and prayed. And yet, he continued on with his prayer. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he says, He prayed that he would be another way for him to redeem us, saying, Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Even though... He was carrying a lot of pressure to the point where when he was praying that he was sweating drops of blood, he was still willing to obey his father. And going back to Isaiah chapter 53... After it says, Surely he has been born our griefs and carried our sorrows. We see, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. The blood that was all over Jesus on the cross symbolized our sins. Jesus was covered, so, was covered in so much of our sins that God could not even look at him, which is why we see in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, where he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, in other words, God could not even look at his son because he bore our Shame. And after he was afflicted so much of our sins that God could not sin. I mean, that he was so afflicted so much with our sins that God could not look at him. We see in Isaiah chapter 53 again. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You know, we see that when he was hung on the cross, in Colossians chapter 2 verse 14, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. And Mark chapter... 15 verse 17 says and they clothed him in a purple cloak and they twisted together a crown of thorns they put it on him the thorns 
pierced his head. And then he was nailed to the cross. He was pierced with nails for our transgressions. And then later on when he was dead, soldiers took a spear and they pierced it in his side and at once came out blood. That blood was used for the remissions of our sins. And then when we go back to Isaiah chapter 53 and we look at more, you know, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Before Jesus went to the cross, he was whipped by Pilate. So you could see from the time he prayed, he was already bleeding from sweating drops of blood. And then when he got to Pilate, he was whipped. You see, Pilate was just going to plan on whipping him. He's just going to send him out. But the Jews still wanted to crucify him. So he was crucified, nailed to the cross. Thorns was on his head. And, you know, he was suffering. He was suffocating for our sins. You know, the Romans were professional executioners. You know, they knew how to make a person suffer. And they want to do it slowly. They want to humiliate the criminal. And they want to make an example for him, for others to see. So that people would think twice before they decide to disobey Roman authority. And yet we know that Jesus, being the Son of God, he was innocent. Even the criminal on the right-hand side told Jesus that he knew that he was innocent. And so Jesus nailed to the cross. You know, he's hanging down on the cross. And his rib cage is crushing his lungs and is causing him to suffocate. And the only way that people could breathe on the cross is if they pulled themselves up with the nails. And you can imagine what type of pain that they were in and how long could stand the pain before going down. But if they go back down, it's like suffocate and die slowly. Or if you want to breathe air, you have to pull yourself up through excruciating pain. And that's the picture of the suffering servant in Isaiah that was the Lamb of God, who we later see in Revelation that was being worshipped by the 24 elders and the four living creatures. They worshipped the Lamb that was slain. So... Jesus 
was crucified once so that all sins can be redeemed. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This refers to the resurrection at the end of days, that those who died in Christ will go first, and those who are in Christ will go after them, after the tribulation. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 18, it talks about how Christ became that high priest. It talks about on how he was the new covenant and he's the one that gave us new hearts. And by that, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his services, offer repeatedly the same sacrifices, animal sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice, one death, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. By, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is a covenant. I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put laws on their heart and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. How about that? We no longer have to offer animal blood to atone for our sins. Because the Lamb of God, Jesus, who had the perfect blood, was enough to cover all of our sins. Jesus just had to die once. The blood of Christ that redeemed us. And in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 14 says this, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into a holy places, heaven, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkles of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. Therefore, to enter into God's kingdom, we have to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And remember, 
In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. The blood of Christ that was offered at once at his death was enough to redeem all of our sins. Alright, well I hope you were encouraged and with what I said, I hope you had a chance to go back and read the word and see it for yourself. And my goal is to present the word with accuracy. So if there's something that did not seem right, um, please feel free to leave comments at the Facebook page, um, the Revelation Podcast post, and you can leave it there and leave it at what podcast episode it was, and I could go back and we could look and see, and we should go what's in the Word. We should go according to the Word. Now, Tomorrow night, we will look at verses 9 through 11 of chapter 12 as we go over the Passover in Exodus, and we will be looking at the bread of life.